guys. Welcome back to Beauty School Bobby. Today, I'm back with Oksana Mead in Nashville, Tennessee. So last time we came here, I didn't get to do a sit-down interview with her. So I had to come back um, and get that because I just fell in love last time I was here. I feel like we got cut short and I wanted so much more time with you. So thank you so much for joining us again. Thank you for having me. <laughs> okay. So what I was most intrigued about and what I haven't stopped thinking about since I met you is you are just such a powerhouse. You are doing so many different things and just as soon as I talked to you about what you're doing in your salon, I was like, holy crap, like she has her stuff together. Um, so <laughs> I love the way that you are doing so many different things. Um, and so I wanted to kind of share your story a little bit. Um, so how did this all start of you coming to the United States? Because you were raised in, or you were born and raised in Moldova mm-hmm. and you lived there until what age? 21. Okay. So you were there the majority of your Ma- life. Majority of my young. Yeah. Yeah. And so for a lot of people who don't know where Moldova is, um, am I saying it right? Yeah, Moldova. Okay, I'm like, mm-hmm. please correct me if I'm yeah. getting this wrong. Um, what is Moldova like? Like, is there anything that we can kind of like compare it to in the United yeah. States? Or <laughs> what is it like? Uh, Moldova, it's kind of hugged between Romania and Ukraine. Okay. Um, it used to be part of Romania a long, long time ago, historically. And then it was part of Soviet Union. And then in 1991, it just became its own country. Um, so you were there. Like yeah. You were young, mm-hmm. but yeah. you were so there. I'm a, I'm a yeah. Soviet Union. Uh, <laughs> my parents, are, I'm not as much Soviet Union, but I was raised by Soviet Union parents. So yeah. Okay, wait. So, so what does that mean? Like, what is the Soviet <laughs> that Union? Mean, like, strict? Very strict. Yes. Yeah. The teachers are super strict. They have no shame to shame in front of everybody. Yeah. Um. So you kind of have to get tough skin real quick yes um they can shame your parent in front of the everybody uh, all the parents so like here you have the parent teacher conference 101 oh there's the entire class and they, they need to say something about your kid it's going to be in front of everybody are you serious I'm not, i am serious wait yeah. so you have a daughter in school is mm-hmm. it so weird when you so go to weird. these are you like you're being really nice yeah like, so so weird um uh but also like if the adult tells you that it rains from down up it's just how it is. Yeah. So there's no, it's not as touchy and, you know, feeling and lots of discussion about love and the world and how everything comes together. It's just, uh, parents are always just busy and you just kind of figure out on your own. And yeah. uh, Yeah. So the culture is just very like the kids are kind of more to just be there and to follow the rules. Mm -hmm. And like, so raising the kids is just very structured, very structured and not necessarily, it's not so, uh, individualized like here I would say um, so I feel like I'm the the bridge between the generations and I'm trying to shut that and give that leave that in the past and yeah. take what's best because I'm sure I mean there was things that are, were nice yeah um, you know the teacher hard work and being on time and being responsible that's all comes from that yeah Um. where and then just kind of take the best out of that generation and the rest just leave it in Right. So culturally, is it like were women like given the rights and freedom? Like, were you raised with like a mom who like like had a voice the way that you do, or was it very different? Um, let's just say sort of. Yeah, have a voice, but you can't really sit at the table with man and just have the same power and the same weight on your. Uh, what do you what are you trying to say? You know, it's just not. It's just not the same. Yeah. Um, you can make it probably in what's customized for you as a women profession. You know, mm-hmm. you can be a teacher or 
um, a nurse, you know, and you can do great in that. But if you probably want to do something else, like, I don't know, be an architect or engineer, that's more male dominant mm-hmm. or a lawyer or anything like that. That's just, you just don't belong there. Yeah. So it's super hard to make it. Through. Yeah. And what about like income level? Where, what is, uh, uh, yeah. Like it's was a huge income difference. like low? Yeah. Like, pretty mm-hmm. much like growing yeah. up. And yeah. so did you, do you remember like, being or like seeing people who had money like are there a lot of people there that did have a lot of wealth is it like small families certain families have wealth and then everyone else is kind of like the same so um when soviet union kind of disappeared um that's when a lot of things happened financially and just in general um the dollar amount at the time was super small pennies on the dollar pennies on the ruble let's just say that (laughs) Um, and then very few people knew that the dollar is probably going to be hundreds and tens of times more wow. overnight. Um, so everybody during Soviet Union, you had plenty of money and good salaries and everything was, you know, when the great America used to be as well. Mm-hmm. Um, but overnight, just everybody lost their money. Um, there was a lot of shortage of on food and I remember I used to go at 5 a.m., you know, staying in line to just buy bread, bread, milk, whatever the necessities. Uh, and Wait, then, was that like the kids' role? Like, did mm-hmm, the kids, so it was like the mm-hmm. kids that went. It would be like- adults, but my mom had three kids. So she, okay. I would always be the one to go because I was the oldest. You go stay in line. And also there's language barrier because I was speaking Romanian, but there was oh. all, all the Russians around me. Yeah. So we were the minority. Okay. So that's like a whole nother story, just being a, the minority there. Um, and then, you know, I would get lost in translation and I would just lose my place in line or get a whole mess up. People fight. Because yeah. <laughs> I couldn't either, I was either too shy to speak up. Oh, I am the last one. Or oh, it was, uh, it was interesting. <laughs> yeah. And how like young do you remember doing that? I was six, seven, oh eight. Gosh. Yeah. Wow. Mm-hmm. And so for us, like, I know that we're like about the same age, like it's crazy to look back and be like, it doesn't seem like that it was that long ago, but your life is so different mm-hmm. um, from what it was. And yeah. there's so many things that I think, um, you know, when you were talking about things being a little more strict and tough skin, like you are who you are because of that. <laughs> and I think like what you were able to do here is because of what you went through and because of how you were raised, like mm-hmm. you were not going to give up without yeah. a fight. Like you're tough, like you're going to make it. And I True. think that that's something that you at least gained from that. True. But also you have to, I had to be real careful on what I bring into this I would say life here in America because a lot of things were not serving me mm-hmm. um, coming from where I come from. So I had to quickly learn what do I need to change and how do I need to be. And um, I've done a lot of work on myself. Yeah. <laughs> so, <laughs> well, you're amazing. I'm so just trying to you be, did, you did perfectly. Yeah, that Soviet Union Oksana needs to die <laughs> and never come back. Um, uh, but it's, it's just, it was, that's my journey, you know? Yeah. Okay. And so I'm, you had a family member, um, mm-hmm. that was a barber, correct? Did you mention that? Was it your yeah. dad? So my, my dad was okay. the neighborhood barber, you know, yeah. he never owned a shop or anything. He just did haircuts in the neighborhood. Were there barber shops in your 
Like, yeah. in your town yeah. though but he just yeah. kind of did it yeah. like did on it the house yeah so do you remember having people come in and mm-hmm. like watching him mm-hmm. cut hair i mean did you, is that when you first were like i want to do this this is something i'm interested that, in that or? was just seemed really fun and cool mm-hmm. um then i had a boyfriend that his mom was a hairstylist and it seemed that she had the best time and it was so much fun and she was actually making a living because she would bring cash money at yeah. the end of the day. Mm-hmm. Um, another thing that we were known uh, in Soviet Union, people would not get paid for months and sometimes it will be up to a year. Oh my God. Um, so having that cash money at the end of the day was huge for us. Okay. Uh, with the trans- economical transition, it was just a disaster. Yeah. Um, then I remember my hairstylist, she was the first woman that I knew that bought her own car with her own money. And I thought that was the coolest thing ever. And I'm like, I want to be like her. Yeah. She had fun. She, you know, she dressed cute and she had everything she needed. Yeah. Did she have to go to beauty school? Like, is there, was there a beauty school system there? Yeah. So did you think that you were going to go to beauty school there? Mm -hmm. Like, what was it that made you be like, okay, I'm going to go to the United States to do this? Like, how did that happen? I was going to do it after ninth grade okay and my mom was like you've got to finish high school yeah oh you were just ready to just like drop out yeah it's like <laughs> go for it i'm like why wait <laughs> talk about you being so forward thinking i'm ready to make money i'm ready to make money i'm always like you've got to finish high school yeah i did finish high school i'm like well i'm ready yeah <laughs> And I got a scholarship for financing banks. Yes. So she's like, well, you can't waste that. Yeah. So I went and did that. And after the second year, I got an opportunity to come to United States. Yeah. So what was that opportunity? What brought you here? Because you ended up like in in Mississippi, Alabama. <laughs> like where was it? It was yeah. somewhere like in the Mid- Mississippi. Yeah. Like how mm-hmm. did you end up there? And what was that? What was that experience like of you being like, I'm going to another country. I'm leaving everything yeah. that I have. Like, were you excited? Were you terrified? What was that? Like? Oh, I wasn't terrified. If you can live in my country, you can live anywhere. Yeah. <laughs> so were you like more excited to get I out was of very that? excited. I was just, just thrilled to see because everything I would see, you know, Disney and other things, movies yeah. were translated it was, I only saw it on TV. There's nothing else to see there. Okay, so, so what did you think America was going to be like? Like, what show did you watch and you were like... Oh, I remember I was so into Vin Diesel and like, <laughs> like, Nicole Kidman. Like, that, they were my people. Those were the movies that I was watching. Terminator, you know, yeah. Schwarzenegger. Like, I, that was the people, like, what, 25, 30 years ago? Yeah. That's the movies I was watching. And they're all American. And I still remember on every Sunday... At four o'clock, we'd watch, like, it was a 10, 15 minute uh, Disney cartoon. And before and after that, it would be just five minutes about the world Disney, just the in, in the one in Orlando, Florida. Yeah. And I thought, oh my gosh, this is amazing. And like, I never, if somebody would tell me, like, just so you know, in 25 years, you will go there you, and you probably get engaged there with, you know, yeah. cheesy stuff like that. <laughs> I, I would not believe it. Yeah. <laughs> That's so awesome. So you like get on a plane. You Yeah. So it was this, pro- this program that they were working with students um, and I just applied and I got accepted and 
Yeah. Did you have any friends that were coming with you? Mm-hmm. Okay, so you at least kind of knew some people. Yeah, there we were a whole group. It was it was a lot of fun. Okay, so you get to Mississippi. Gulf of Mississippi, and I got a job. They provided us a job at McDonald's. Yeah, and you spoke no, no English. English. Like, you did not know. Like, I'm sure you knew, like, some basic words. Yeah, like, oh, brother, you? sister, and maybe count. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and so what, how did you learn the language? So you start a job. Yeah. At McDonald's. And yeah. like, what, how did you, like, what happened? Like, what did you do on your first day? I was the French fry maker. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> you don't need much language there. Yeah. Um, and then slowly, the boss, I remember, was talking to me and it seemed one long word. Mm-hmm. And I couldn't even break it up. That's how messed up it was. Yeah. Because um, the English that we we're learning, it was more the England English, the, the British English versus the American English. So then by the end of the, like, you know, a month in, I was like, okay, this, I could differentiate the words. Mm-hmm. Okay. I just didn't know what they mean. Yeah. And then by the end of the summer, just, I feel like just by being thrown into a jungle like that, that you have to figure it out. Your subconscious, your brain, your survival instincts just kick in and you you just learn. As long as you're not surrounded too much by your peers and you just out into the wolves, then you figure it out. Yeah. Human nature just learns and does it. Yeah. So by the end of the summer, I was at the drive-thru talking with people. <laughs> yeah. Um was everyone nice to you in yeah. Mississippi? Like, yeah. Did everyone like okay, good. Very. Yeah. So that <laughs> transition was easy. I mean, I come from a country that you can get punched just by walking not the right direction. Yeah. You know, it's it's very normal. Right. So everybody was just smiling and so patient with me and yeah. That was so awesome. awesome. And where were you living at the time? Like when you were working at mcdonald's like where were you living we just had this company that was kind of taking care of us and we had just a, a big apartment and a house and it was fun it yeah was fun you know just yeah living with young people and then working and so are you 18 is that did you i was up? 21 okay so you had been out like mm-hmm. i guess in life a little bit because you mm-hmm. graduated high school at the same mm-hmm. age was it 18 yeah okay so you graduated high school did that then when did you end up going to beauty school um, so I mo- after three months, I moved to Fairhope, Alabama. Okay. And I worked at the, this big hotel that was kind of subcontracting, um, I would say seasonal labor. Okay. Because, um, uh, I guess it was very hot or it, it was a retirement community. So I guess they needed, you know, young people come in and work for a certain season. So I was one of them. And that's how I've met my first husband. Okay. And so you, did you have London before mm-hmm. you went to beauty school? Yeah, I met my first husband and, you know, it's a small town. Yeah. Uh, we got engaged. Then next thing you know, we're like pregnant. And yeah. that's what people do, I guess. <laughs> <laughs> yes. You, get, you drink that water. So. Yes, exactly. <laughs> um, and then... A month probably after the wedding, I found out that I was pregnant. Wow. And because we were going to get married and I was like, I'm going to, I want to go to LA. I want to go to California or New York or somewhere so I could learn in, from the best, you know, beauty school and salon. And mm-hmm. well, God has a different plan for you always mm-hmm. then, you know, so I got, I got pregnant and I was like, well, this is time. I can't move with a kid to California. Mm-hmm. So I went to beauty school. 
being pregnant in Alabama. Mm-hmm. Okay, so went to beauty school eleven years ago. Yeah, and finished beauty school. What was that experience like for you? Is that where you feel like you really kind of became a little more of who you are today? I mean, do you think you kind of found yourself a little bit there, or were you still kind of on the grind? Like, were you still kind of like, I just have to get through this and this and this? Or I, th- I think I learned actually a lot, um, but at the time. I remember I was, it was not in the Instagram yet. Mm-hmm. So I was going on the website, like modelsalon.com, just to grab any education I could get. Yeah. And I'd get all these certificates. And those not, I was learning my, the first ombre I learned from YouTube, which is a disaster to do it these days. Yes. You don't do that. Yeah. Um, I was just trying to get as much information as I could. Mm-hmm. Um, and then I, I learned, obviously, at the time I thought it was plenty, but once you get in the salon world, you figure it out that that's just the tip of the iceberg. Yes, like there's so much more. Mm -hmm. So what was the first salon that you worked in? I worked at the salon called Warlock, uh, and it was this older lady that she's been in the industry for so long, and she's been um, known for her haircuts. Mm -hmm. So that's where I learned my good old haircuts uh, from her. And then color, I just kind of learned on my own how long were classes. you at that first salon um i would say almost two years um and then they opened i helped them actually open a beauty school oh and awesome. salon. Mm-hmm. that's awesome yeah and they i was kind of super involved in building the the beauty school and all of that and then for some reason i got i was so young and naive i don't know why i thought i was going to be a partner or something but then they kind of kicked me to the curb. I'm like, well, okay. Yeah. But by that time, I got a reputation already in Fairhope, Alabama. And I was invited by the best salon in town to go work for them. And that was amazing. And that's when everything kind of like took Changed, off for yeah, the industry. Yeah. Um, what was that salon called? Sanctuary Salon. Okay. Brandy Hoover is the owner. I love her. We still I was going to ask you you're still yeah, like Keep in touch. touch. Yeah. That's awesome. And then fast forward, you know, I've been there for a year. And I still never forget the, forgot the thought that I wanted to move and do something more than just a small town mm-hmm. um, hair salon. And at the time, I already have traveled to New York City Fashion Week. And I've been to um, London and Paris. Um, when Fashion TV had launched the eyewear, I was one of my girlfriends from London. She invited me to be in charge for the hair pretty much for the hair and she would be the one for the makeup. So, wow. It was really cool. Yeah. Um, so when you started seeing that these opportunities were coming to you, were you like, Oh, I have like, then did your eyes even open like even a little wider and say, okay, wait, now I want even more of this. Like I would get so much education, so much exposure and then bring it back to the small town. I'm like, there's something more out there there's something more yeah um and at the time you know london's dad and i were just decided to just go our separate ways mm-hmm. because of it yeah um and i had to move somewhere that it's still close to Fairhope, alabama and um, nashville was the one yeah so when you were going through that time were you do you think that you kind of felt like you had these really big dreams and you were seeing the world i mean was he a part of any of that with you like did he travel with you at all or was it like no he going and doing it yourself it's funny because you know even my parents didn't think it was a thing you know Mm -hmm. my husband at the time didn't think it was anything they're just like is this a hobby like when are you gonna get a real job and I'm like, 
oh, just wait. Yeah. I mean, do <laughs> just you feel wait. that? Like, were, do you remember feeling like, I just feel mm-hmm. like I have to prove to you that yeah. like, I'm oh, serious very about much. this? And they all came to me, obviously, a few years later. I'm like, so sorry. Yeah. This actually is a real career. Yeah. I know. But sometimes, like, you need that. Like, mm-hmm. I know it's hard being in those moments. And I think even for beauty school students that are like, hey, I want to come into this industry. It's almost like you need that person to doubt you mm-hmm. a little bit. Because I think that sometimes the doubt pushes you to do things like you're going to go outside of your comfort zone just because you're going to prove them wrong. Like so I know that's true. my personality completely. Like tell me I can't do it and I yeah. will do it 10 times bigger than I would have ever done it if you said I could do it. Yeah. <laughs> you know, I agree. And I am the same person. Yeah. I think that that's don't, sometimes don't good. ever say I can't do it. <laughs> I will go do it. <laughs> like, even if it's not something I want to do, if you tell me I can, I'm going to do it. I'll go do it. Yeah. yeah. So mm-hmm. that's awesome. So you kind of really grew in a short amount of time in your career. I mean, it seems like over like what, four years ish, you were traveling and yeah. And Fairhope, I was for three years doing okay. hair. Yeah. Um, almost three years. Yeah. Where was your favorite place? Like, where do you have any memories of like maybe London or Paris or New York? Like, where did you go that you were like, okay, I made it. Like, this is crazy that I'm here. Did you have that experience like everywhere that you went? Yeah. Oh, absolutely. Um, But I knew that this is not it. This is, it's only the beginning. I've got to get out of Fairhope, Alabama. Yeah. I've got to. So when I moved to Nashville, it was, I was so thirsty and just hungry for everything mm-hmm. you know this was i walked into a salon i saw for the first time somebody doing a balayage a legit l'oreal way balayage and i'm like what what is this i need to learn everything yeah so how did you pick nashville it was just the closest big uh, city. yeah so my options were tampa atlanta orlando new orleans and they all were a little too hot for me yeah the weather was just Another thing that was just giving me headaches and the humidity. I just oh, yeah, because you're used to like freezing cold. Like we haven't mm-hmm. even talked. Yeah, I didn't even think about yeah. that. It's like, yeah, I'm sure I was climate. constantly having headaches. And yeah, um, so Nashville was a little bit the only one that would be a little more north. So how long ago did you move to Nashville? 2016. Oh, seven oh. years ago. Yeah. Wait, six and a half. It's yeah. so crazy because when we've been talking about everything that you've done, For some reason, like, I know that all of this happened quickly, but Uh for how much you've accomplished, I'm like, oh, no, she's been here for 20 years. I don't know. Like, I know that math (laughs) doesn't add up at all, but it seems like it's crazy that you've done all of this in such a short amount of time. So you started in your first, where was the first salon you worked here? Element Salon. Okay. And then you went into Parlor 3 from there. Mm -hmm. Okay. And you worked at Parlor 3 for... A little bit. Yeah. So I was element a little over a year and then mm-hmm. I was invited there to work at Parlor 3. And I worked there three years exact. And I mean, both amazing, still biggest salons in Nashville. And yeah. I learned everything I know from them. Yeah. So I mean, and Nashville has changed so much just in mm-hmm. the time that since you've been here. So yeah. was working at those salons, was that your like first taste of like the super luxury, super high end celebrity yeah. clientele. Like, yeah. how did you feel about learning all of that? Like, were you excited to go into that environment? Yeah. And did you feel like this is where I'm meant to be? Yeah, um, definitely. Um, probably if I would be single and no kids, I would get more into that celebrity, you know, being on their own, on their schedule. But being a mom, I just kind of had to be in line to, okay, I need a certain 
hours and this is when I need to be home. Yeah, because you, know? you were a single mom at that mm-hmm. point, right? Like yeah. so you were doing this all by yourself oh, and moving. Never had a babysitter even. You yeah. Know, never had to never missed a day at work, never been sick, you know. I was just on it. Yeah. Um I did a little bit, but that was just you know yeah. London comes first. I think it's funny because when we talk about, you know, challenges of the generation that is coming up behind us, who I think there's so much that we have to learn from them, but there's mm-hmm. also this thing that just keeps being reiterated the more that I'm doing these shows and the more that I'm talking to people is that there are a lot of challenges um, as far as structure um, goes. And so mm-hmm. it's funny to think about you doing everything that you were doing as a single mom, building your career and all of that. Like, it's almost like there are people that could have it so much easier and that could like, you want to be like, no, just do this, you know, Mm -hmm. Um, because you had it and you had to do it in a lot more complicated, like in a much harder way. So I know it's frustrating sometimes to be like, no, you can do this. You just have to work. Like, look at what I did Mm -hmm. without any help. So I know that that, um, you know, can definitely be a challenge and especially as a salon owner now. So when did you, end up so you left parlor three and you immediately went out on your own did you immediately have your own space studio like what did that look like um i was trying to get my own space and i knew that i was just ready and i knew that i had so much to offer mm-hmm. to the clients and even recruit people and teach them everything i know um and it was obviously complicated because the bank the lease i've never been a I never had the landlord or lease a commercial space, but you know, again, I think when it's meant to be the right people come your way and, um, a lady came and offered me a space to just go booth rent. I'm mm-hmm. like, well, I, I don't want to do that. I'm very loyal to who I am. If anything, I'll open my own space. And yeah. then she kind of kept coming back and I go, why don't you buy my space? And I'm like, wait, what? And the, at the time, that was like the bank would tell me, no, you know, the the place that I found to lease was just too much. And it was just, you know, and that was kind of my option only. Um, and that's how I got into it. Um, and that was the space downtown? Mm-hmm. On De- how do yeah. you say it? DeMombrian? DeMombrian, yeah. Oh, is this wrong? <laughs> yeah. It was an existing salon that I have purchased. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So who was guiding you? Who was the person that you had in your life to say, Hey, I'm thinking about that. Like who did, who was your mentor at the time that you were bouncing ideas off of? Did you have anyone? I did not have anyone until I bought it. But then as soon as I bought it, um, and like signed all the paperwork and everything, then I went to summit Okay. for three and a half days. Okay. And David Hodges is my, uh, is my coach. Yeah. Love him. Yeah. He, taught me so much. Yeah. So much. So it's really important. I think as you're going out to surround yourself with people that are going to be able to help you figure all this stuff out, because there are just some things that as much as I think you're such a go getter that you would have figured it out or whatever, but I think it's, it's really important to lean on people and Mm -hmm. to find people who, who can help you. So resources like summit, Mm -hmm. um, or there's so many people I think now, um, even like coaches and all of that stuff that exists now, even like far more than there were, you know, even five years ago. Um, I think social media has pushed that a little bit, but I think it's really important to find those people and lean on them. So they Mm -hmm. kind of got you set up for, cause how long were you by yourself? Uh, you mean like with no Silas under you, like I kind of had, uh, I think 
So I moved and I was kind of booth wrenching since October till February 1st, we signed the lease. Uh, I mean, we signed the paperwork mm-hmm. and everything went under me. Um, so that would be what, like almost four and a half, uh, I'd say five months. Mm-hmm. October, November, December, January. Yeah, five months. Um, so I'm in that time, I kind of, you know, people start applying because um, I was promoting myself. And so I had maybe two or three stylists and just me. Um, but I definitely, I want to say, give a big shout out to Daniel Mason Jones too, because he was the one that just changed my whole career as a stylist. He was the one that pushed me and be, you know, he was the one that was just like, you can do anything. Mm-hmm. What is the income that you want? Here's the formula. Yeah. You know, how did you get connected with him? When did you, I went to him? a class my first year in Nashville. Okay. And like I he had just, come to Nashville mm-hmm. and like you. Yes. Yeah. Was it was he- outside Nashville. Yeah. Okay. So I was like, wait, so you can do this and this. I was just so, like I said, I was so hungry to learn everything yeah. that I couldn't get enough of it. Um, and then quickly I, you know, I was the best one in the salon that I was. And then, you know, when I moved to the next one, I quickly became just the best retail seller, anything, anything. I was the best one. And so I needed the the next competition. I needed the next challenge. Yeah. Um, and that was the salon opening my own. Yeah. Um, that's an ongoing challenge for sure. Yeah. And so you are, you've been in that space for how many years Three years now. now. Okay. Um, and then open the Brentwood location. Yeah. Um, it's funny to me, like listening to your story, I just feel like there's just always this sense of like more. Okay. Like I did this thing and I've gotten like all the education, like now I want to do my, I want to be a salon owner and then I want to pour out and feed. You have a continuation of like wanting to help and to give back. Um, I think that that's, it keeps coming up with the more that I talk to you, it's just so much more of like, yes, I want to do these things for me, but there's always that connection of like, but I also want to help and give back to others. There's not like a selfish way that you're like, okay, I want to have a salon so that I can make as much money as I can. And this and this and this, like, that's not the point for you. I think that you are constantly like, I want to have this so that I can give back. And you're like, okay, I'm giving back. So now I want to do more of this and this, mm-hmm. you know, I think it's really special. And I think, you know, Daniel Mason Jones definitely has that. Yeah. Um, that well, is you gotta have your well. tribe, you know, you nobody without your team. So on you know, speaking about your tribe and having people around you that are going to support you um, and without naming specifics, have there been people kind of in the industry that have tried to kind of discourage you, bring you down or kind of not bring you down personally, but other people that you've come across that are like, they don't believe in what I'm doing and they think I'm crazy for wanting to do it this way, but I'm going to do it. I'm going to do it anyway. So does that happen or has it been a genuine, like a pretty positive experience? It was overall a pretty positive, but even my coach, David, he's like, you're going to do what? <laughs> <laughs> like, I was like, David, I promise you, I, I feel it in my gut. It's going to work and it would work out. And yeah. then some things it wouldn't work out. And I'm like, David, what do I do? <laughs> you know? Um, and then I was lucky to get really close with Daniel. And, you know, before I opened my second location, I actually had a phone conversation with him. And, you know, I just almost needed his blessing because it was happening so fast. Yeah. I'm like, is, am I crazy? What this is really happening? Yeah. Uh, especially with during pandemic. So, yeah, 
I'm going to ask you a question like for me personally, um, when you are so forward thinking the way that you are, and I told you this before I started recording, but the one thing that has come up, um, from the last time that you and I met and my husband and I, I pointed over there cause he's behind the scenes doing sound. Um, but one of the things that I keep saying is like, I was like, I, Oxana identified something in me that I have never identified in myself and that like, I can sometimes feel crazy about the things I want to do or like these ideas that I have where I'm like, no, we can have this podcast and this show and this mm-hmm. network and I believe in it so wholeheartedly. Mm-hmm. But you talk to other people and they're like, well, you know, you have to do this. How do you balance the, okay, I'm forward thinking I have all these ideas, but exactly what you said, like, okay, well, I did this and it didn't work. So now what I do, is it more mm-hmm. of just like, you have to have people that are just going to support you even when you fall. Like, how do you balance that? Because there's not a lot of people, I think I'm asking this in a really roundabout way, but there's not a lot of people that think the way that we do or that, Mm -hmm. you know, that are like, I want to do this and this that are are as motivated. So it can be discouraging sometimes Mm -hmm. when you are that kind of person. Mm -hmm. So do you just trust yourself enough to say like, I like, are you confident enough and like good enough and just in yourself that you don't need that from other people or how do you balance it? My go-to role or decision-making is, okay, will this benefit the world? You know, will this benefit my family? Will this fulfill me as a person, you know, achieving things and doing things, you know, um, I, I'll always have that in my subconscious, you know, from where I come from, that it's like, you can't do much, you know, or, this is your limits. And I just, I almost hate that so much that my brain will just do the opposite. So I always try to just have a quiet moment and listen to my gut, you know, is this really going to benefit? Because if it will benefit the world, the community, your family, yourself, will I learn something from it? God is going to help you mm-hmm. because there's no other way. Yeah. I mean, it's not going to be easy. And if you're going to fall on your face, well, I always say I either have to learn something from it mm-hmm. or there's learn something from it or gain strength. Mm-hmm. So having that always in my mind, um, that's just my holy grace. You know, that's just how I move forward. Um, I mean, I've had a very challenging time at times, and it was very discouraging. Um, But, you know, prayer, a lot of prayer, uh, a lot of just kind of, okay, what what is the message here? You know, I'm a big believer in that. What is the message here? Um, And... For some reason, the, the the answers are always coming, mm-hmm. and you can always ask God, the universe, "What do I need to know? Give me, give me some, give me some signs. Give me." And man, that works. <laughs> <laughs> that Whether it's works. a sign you want to see or not, mm-hmm. it does come back to mm-hmm. you for sure. I remember. I mean, even being like little, I remember being like you know, having like a show or whatever. Like I went through a phase where I wanted to be. I used to watch like infomercials all the time, like uh-huh. those products, like on TV. And there's a person's like look at this grill or whatever it was, you know? And I used to watch this all the time and be like, oh my gosh, like it'd be so fun, you know, to host a show or whatever. Those opportunities aren't always just, I mean, my family supports me like unconditionally and my husband, obviously, I think choosing a partner Mm -hmm. is really important. I think when I see these like, 
young girls that I'm around in beauty school all the time and they have crappy boyfriends or, you know, or girlfriends or whatever it is, you know, that are treating them poorly. I'm like, what are you doing? Like, mm-hmm. you need to have somebody that is on your team. And I don't think, you know, and sometimes that's just like a hard lesson to learn. Like, I think yeah. a lot of them will probably go through a marriage and then realize like, oh, hey, it's not like I need somebody that's going to believe in me. And I think that that's so important. And even if your ideas are insane, as long as it's not, you know, putting you really far into debt or yeah. it's like ruining someone yeah. else's life to yeah. do it. I think it's really important to just mm-hmm. go for the things that you think feel right. And I think you said earlier, like you just have to trust your gut. Yeah. And if a door opens mm-hmm. or if something's made possible, whether you are the one that's like, I'm going to go get that. I'm going to chase that dream. I think you have to follow it. Um, but I think not everyone has that that motivation. Like, I think a lot of people that I'll talk to about, like, I'll get on these like rants about like, oh, you should do this or you should do this like bigger thing. And they're like, no, I'm kind of good where I'm at. You know, a lot of people are good. Yeah. But, and it shouldn't be that way. That, that if everybody's going to be like that, then who's going to be the ones that pull us, keep us grounded or admire flowers and admire like little things, you know? Yeah. We have the world has to have a balance. Mm-hmm. So there's some go-getters and just work. It's just something that they enjoy so much. And some people go to work because they just need to pay the bills and they enjoy other things, mm-hmm. you know? Uh, but yeah, having having a good partner, that changed a lot for me. Like he is, Tommy is just my biggest fan. And Having that on your side, oh, half the, it's the half the battle, you know? Yeah, no, definitely. And so you recently got engaged. So speaking <laughs> yeah. of him, so Tommy, um, you yeah. guys just got engaged on Christmas morning? Yeah. Yeah, so on Christmas morning, your pose. Um, you all, we will drop links um, in the bio and or in the section below the podcast and everywhere because the engagement video is the cutest thing. <laughs> like, ever since we left Nashville, I feel like I'm just been like stalking your Instagram, but it was like the cutest proposal. Uh. Um, and then you just recently shared some other news on your mm-hmm. reels um, mm-hmm. that I like absolutely love. But so now you are pregnant. Pregnant, yeah. a little boy. <laughs> yes. <laughs> so, so excited. Mm-hmm. Now, as you're juggling um, two super successful salons, so um, you are, I mean, just bossing like crazy right now. Um, and just in this really successful period, you also, last time we were here, um, decided to take a step back, which I think now looking back, um, getting married, having a baby, like, and having those steps already prepped for you where you were kind of taking a little bit of a, not a break behind the chair, but you stepped back a little bit. You mm-hmm. gave away, mm-hmm. um, a lot of your clients to mm-hmm. the Silas so that you could jump into the ownership role, um, a little more. Um, how did that transition go? Um, talk to me a little bit about that change kind of like in your career. Um, it was one of those things, um, I thought of this, this is what's going to be good for me. But at my core, I love doing hair. Yeah. <laughs> so I was in a lot of pain, you know, with having TMJ, deviate septum, headaches, you know, all of that. So I thought the right decision um, is to step back. And I did. And in the moment and I was doing it, I'm thinking, I don't want to manage people. Sure, I want to lead the company, but I don't want to do the management things yes so I hired somebody for that yeah um and then I kept half of my clients and I mean I used to do 14 callers a day 
I feel like I wanted to throw up and punch somebody at the end yeah. of the day. <laughs> throw up and punch somebody. I love that. I order. could not. And instead of me taking a rest day after that, I had to go and do inventory, you know, place orders, just like do business stuff. Right. Um, and, and that's not fun for you. That's no, not, I mean, you just said no. something like that I love. Like you want to lead the company mm-hmm. and you want to run the company, yeah. but you don't want to do all the, the managerial stuff. And I think that that's okay. Then you mm-hmm. find somebody and you hire somebody that you trust that can do those things. So, yeah. cause I know you said you had a meeting with your staff and you said, Hey, like things are gonna be changing a little bit. Mm-hmm. I'm gonna be stepping back and, you know, giving my clients, how did you determine who was going to get your clients? How did you determine like who got them or did you leave it up to the client? To I'll give them a they- few options. Okay. I'll give them a few options. And our staff just kind of specializes in different things. One only does balayage. One only does blondes and okay. oils. So I was just kind of feeling it out mm-hmm. and see what they need to go to. Yeah. Were um, your clients like pretty open to that? I mean, this is a hard conversation to have for a lot of stylists. Some and- of them were, and they were very understanding. And some of them actually, I was like, did you get my email? They're like, no. I was like, are you sure? Like, yeah, but I did not open it. I'm not going to open it. Cause I know what it's all about. Yeah. So I'm like, what is it going to take Yeah, for me to stay? Yeah. You have a house in France. You can go on holidays. <laughs> I'm like, oh, really? <laughs> You're like, okay, I'll take it. You can stay. You're like, don't <laughs> act on email. And, and we actually had the heart of heart conversation. She's like, why are you doing this? This is what you're so good at. Yeah. And I'm like, you know, again, it was like another message from the universe. Like, why, why am I doing this? Because mm-hmm. I really do. Like my coaching one-on-ones with my stylist and associates mm-hmm. and being with my clients and doing my craft, it's my favorite thing in the world. Yeah. So why, why would I do it? So in the midst of everything, I'm like, okay, we hired a manager. Mm-hmm. Um, I gave away half of my clients. Is there any way I can find a happy medium? And mm-hmm. I did. You know, I'm doing seven colors a day now versus 14. Mm-hmm. And um, how has that adjustment been on your body? Like so much better. Okay. I actually enjoy every second of it. Yeah. Versus like going through the day. You That's know? a really important um, message, I think, because there is a point where this does just kind of take its toll. Yeah. Um, and you don't have to give it up 100%, no. um, but maybe stepping back a little bit and having people fill in the gaps in other ways um, mm-hmm. is you just have to get creative sometimes in this path of you that you are hiring somebody and stepping back and like all of that stuff like that's no one else's path that's your path and yeah. like you have to make it what you want it to be yeah um, there's no formula no. there's no formula for any but I mean there's a think- general formula but what it's going to be what it's my journey you know yeah. so just trying and air you know just trying different things you just kind of find what works for you so you kind of think that the I'll say the old salon model, um, a model um, of even, I don't know, 20 years ago or whatever. Didn't it all seem very cookie cutter? Like it felt like there was a formula. It was like, you do this and you do this and you do this. And I think that whether it's social media or whatever it is, or like just, you know, women in in this industry wanting more of a work-life balance and we want the career and we want the family and we want to travel and all that stuff and kind of paving our own way. I think that is a way that it's changing. And I think that a really important message to send to like anyone that's watching or listening is to figure out what it is that you want Mm -hmm. and make that work. You know, like I'm sure that there were some adjustment periods where it maybe felt weird or maybe it felt like 
wait, am I doing the right thing? Did I make the right decision? You know, but it's okay to, to either go back or to revisit um, what you have done to say, okay, wait, now I need to do this a different way um, to make it work for me. Um, yeah. how- um, and I mean, I'm sure I'll change my schedule again yeah. <laughs> because I'm going to be a new mom. And that's okay. So it's a constant change mm-hmm. and change is good. Change is good. It's just, that's the world we live in. Yeah. How was your process of finding a manager? Um, there was a friend that she was closing her business and she had such good people, um, that I was lucky to just put my hand on one. And what <laughs> industry was that? And was it beauty related? Or was uh, it-, it was sort of beauty related. It's more, it was more, uh, retail. Okay. Which is great for, for a manager. Yeah. 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 I mean, that's exactly yeah. what you need. Mm-hmm. So did you feel any, um, was it weird for you to pass off the responsibility? Well, it was a slow, okay, slow because we're not we did not know how this is gonna go. Yeah. So, and she never really had that salon experience, but she had experience with so many other things that it was actually more beneficial for us. So it was just you know just being together every day, all day, and just figuring out okay what can we do, and it's been so good. She's so organized and. Um, I need that. Yeah. Isn't there a moment where sometimes when this happens that you're like, how did I do this without her? Like once you find the right person, you're like, how did I live without you before? Like, how did I run my business without yeah, every you? Day. <laughs> every day. <laughs> That's so awesome. She's just so calm and collected. And you know, us hairdressers, hairstylists, we just, a lot of emotions and a lot mm-hmm. of, so she's just so good with handling all of us. Yeah. Even me. <laughs> so you were able to share some stories last time a little bit on the show, but I think it was more of us talking about it after we stopped recording. I feel like all of the good conversation happened like off camera last time. I'm like, we need to be recording this, but um, talk a little bit about the three day a week um, and income level that your stylists are actually able to get to. Because I think out of all of the salons um, that I, owners that I've talked to, you're doing something crazy and something's happening inside of those walls that like, is just absolutely insane. So kind of talk a little bit about the money, um, if you don't mind to talk yeah, about that. I love um, talking about money. <laughs> the income um, that your stylists are able to make and um, how quickly they're able to build their brand or their business at this point. Yeah. Um, I feel... Us in the industry, you know, we artists, we love people, we love giving back, but a lot of times we forget about the actual business side of it. Mm-hmm. And that's what actually my two, not so much, two-year uh, school finance and banks sort of comes in. Uh, also, it's just the passion about it, you know, making it work and not work for free. Mm-hmm. Um, to me, a hairstylist career, it's pretty short. Mm-hmm. It's not like you can um, climb the corporate ladder and then retire, have a nice retirement that which that doesn't even exist anymore in America. Mm-hmm. Like maybe, yeah. <laughs> uh, um, and how can I get the most out of these prime years? Mm-hmm. Uh, I'm also realizing, even having my own health issues because of being behind the chair, um, I want to make sure that I take care of my stylist. So. You know, you you finish beauty school and then you start climbing that ladder of just being the best stylist that you can be. Mm-hmm. And you work a lot of hours behind the chair. And then right when you get to the peak, that's when your body starts giving up slowly. Yeah. So to me, I was like, how, what can I do? How can I, you know, have time to rest and recharge and do all those things that I want to do, but then also want to make the income. 
we spend so much money on our education. I feel like by the end of this career, we could have spent more than a college. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. More yeah, than easily. a college. Mm-hmm. So why do we not deserve to have the same income as, especially when it's a short career? Mm-hmm. So from all this just information, I was like, okay, what if we work three days, um, longer days, um, Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, or Thursday, Friday, Saturday? And as soon as you your books are full, let's get you some help, an associate. That way you can train the next generation, but also have two, you know, an extra set of hands to pamper your clients and get in more people. Um, you know, I feel like associates, maybe not right now, but the old way used to be you just come in, sweep and shampoo, and that's it. And mm-hmm. I feel like that's just not enough. Um, you need human touch. You actually need to be doing foils and hair and anything. Well, you can't Next, go from being a, in a salon at beauty school, you're yeah. doing hair, uh, and you, then just stop. Like, yeah, you'll not, never yeah. find a surgeon that only did sur- <laughs> surgeries on a mannequin. Yes. You need to get on a real and touch a real person. Mm-hmm. So it was a little weird for even our clientele. Uh, but now, you know, by explaining them that they're like, well, that makes sense. You know, they got to get on, on real humans. Um, so yeah, they work three days. Uh, you get an associate. Some of them have two. I personally coach them, um, every 60 days, the stylist and every 30 days, the associates, um, and they get it. You know, I learned, I try to learn so much from all my coaches and then bringing all this information to my people. Mm-hmm. Uh, and there, if there's a problem, we're trying to brainstorm and figure out a way, how can I help them? And I mean, I have a pretty good, you know, history of people, you know, doing the associate program with us and within a few years, you know, it depends on how fast you want to move. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, they can be level one, two, three and making over six figures, you know, um, just working two and a half, three days. Um, are your associates only on the three day schedule or are they, mm-hmm. they're on the three day as well? So actually we just revamped it. Um, I feel like there's nothing else I can, I'm so proud of this associate program. There's nothing else I can add to make it better. Yeah. So they are um, working three days with their uh, with their mentor, but within the first three months, they have to pick up an opportunity today on the weekend, Saturday or Sunday, to just do blowouts, and we do them for twenty dollars. So if there's something went wrong, you can't really complain, and you don't get refunds. You know, you at least got your hair washed, right? Uh, but I feel like instead of going through beauty school, and then you sort of get some clients there. And then usually when they get to a hair salon, okay, we're going back to sweeping and shampooing. Yeah. And I'm like, well, don't lose that touch with clients. Yes. Um, you know, don't make another pause. And then you graduate and then it's sort of another pause until you start building your clientele. I'm like, how can I eliminate these pauses? Well, these this generation doesn't have time for pauses. Like no. that, they will just quit. Like yeah. they will just like leave the industry. Especially this generation. Yeah. So they pick up a I um opportunity day and within the first three months um doing blowouts and as they do the in salon classes um um, and going through the training that we keep adding services you know base touch-ups and glosses and treatments and things like that then by the probably last six to four months left they pick up another opportunity day so the goal for them is to have 
two full days of clients by the time they graduate. And all they do have to fill up another day. So they start making money and they're already making commission, a very small commission on the opportunities. But they, you know, why wait? Like I already start, they already have goals and coaching and everything if they would be a stylist. Um, so I'm very, it's super, you know, they get about 20 classes um, a year within their program, you know, coaching monthly and obviously coaching with their own mentors and hands-on. And uh, now, I mean, you- if you can't make it after this program, you probably shouldn't be in this. Program. Yeah. But they, 99%, they all very successful yeah. with this program. So are you teaching the classes? Do you have someone in your salon that teaches the classes? We all, you- we all specialize in something. Okay. So I teach the business part. Okay. I love that. Love that. Yeah. My favorite one and the balayage. Okay. That's so fun. And so then mm-hmm. that's also giving your stylists that have been there for a while. I'm sure that that feeds mm-hmm. um, something inside of them to be able to teach. Like, yeah. I feel like you really are hitting so many points of like interest for people too mm-hmm. to keep them interested and to keep them yeah. with you um, on this journey. So how many stylists do you have between the two? Do you I'll know? Like the exact- 22 stylists. Okay. And mm-hmm. you had several... Not only making like six, but like over three hundred thousand um, dollars. To uh, for the W two, I would say two hundred. Yeah. Okay. I mean, in that's, sales, that's yeah, obviously more. Right. I mean, it's so crazy, and mm-hmm. it's just something that I think so many people, whether it's because they're from like a small town and they just haven't seen mm-hmm. a salon like this, or or thought that they had that opportunity. I mean, it's just it's not what people think of as this career in the beauty industry. Mm-mm, so I think it's anymore. so special that you're doing that. And I think um, if just from what I know of people coming out of beauty school and looking for an opportunity, I mean, being able to work three days a week, um, because I think where people, some salons go wrong is that it's like they're requiring them to be there so much. They just burn out because mm-hmm. again, they're in that first year. So they're like, they were, you know, top dog at beauty school, right? Like they were doing everything and they were great. Um, and then, like you said, they hit this lull. Well, you've got to keep them interested. You've got to keep encouraging them mm-hmm. um, to stay in it even through the hard days. Now, does that mean that it has to be like an easy path? Like, absolutely not. They're going to work hard. Mm-hmm. But I think that it's so important to keep them engaged. And I think it's so smart to do those blowout days and like for them to slowly add on services. Because I know what a lot of salons will do is they'll be like, you're in an associate program, but you get to have a chair one day a week. Well, that can be a color service that they're still uncomfortable with. It can be something that's yeah. still intimidating to them. And I know I've talked to a lot of salon owners that say, you know, you just got to throw them into it. They've got to figure it out. But I also think if you're easing them into it the way that you're doing, it mm-hmm. makes a lot more sense for them to build confidence mm-hmm. as well as their books. I mean, if anything goes wrong, that can scar you for a long time. Yes. So, and and I mean, the clients are very much aware that they it's going to be a service provided by an associate. Mm-hmm. So they have to sign a waiver and all those things. Yeah. Um, so far, everything has been good. Yeah. Actually. Well, I mean, it sounds like they're not ever just like thrown to the wolves. I mean, mm-hmm. it sounds like there's people there that are yeah. going to be able to help them. Yeah. And these days, I mean, we used to do a basic highlight. Well, no, we're not doing any more of that. Mm-hmm. We do a foliage and a foil and a balayage all in one head and a root tap and a money piece and all those things mm-hmm. and the clients are so educated. So you, you got to keep up with it. You mm-hmm. can really just throw them to the wolves sort of, but not really. Yeah. Um, so I think we've found what works for us and it's been 
going really good. Yeah. So because you're so forward thinking, what do you kind of see in your future? Like, what do you see your role in the industry being? Like, do you see yourself um, being more of like an educator on a more broad level or sharing kind of what you're doing business wise? Um, Can you see yourself doing like, you know, the Daniel Mason Jones, like that kind of stuff? Like, do you see yourself like teaching and coaching and helping people? Or do you think that you're going to be pretty grounded here? Um, it'll definitely be more than, it'll always be more than here. Mm-hmm. Um, I do love coaching women and I do love, I actually have a lot of side hustles too. So I love those things. I, and, and I think it'll be a lot of coaching and that doesn't have to be on hair necessarily. Okay. Hair will be just one of them. Okay. Um, I love sharing information. I feel like there's no secrets to keep, you know, you can't, people cannot copy your energy or your chemistry that you create with your people. Yes. So there's never fear of like, oh, you got to tell all your secrets. Yeah, I will. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> because then the universe, I feel like it's going to give me even more secrets. Oh gosh, um, I just one- love that so much. Because <laughs> I do think that that's something like there seems to be mm-hmm. at times, not with everyone, um, but it does seem to be at times like this competition. Yeah. You know, but that exactly what you said, like no one's going to do it the way that you can do it. Yeah, like you cannot, nobody can steal your who you are mm-hmm. as a person and your vibe and your energy and your chemistry that you create with nobody. Yeah. So that's one thing that you have to be sure about it. Mm-hmm. Uh, but learning, sharing, that means, well, God and universe is going to give you even more mm-hmm. so you can keep sharing. Yeah. So that's just, I love that. Wow. I'm so obsessed <laughs> with that. I mean, that's just the best. And I know it's one the of the things that you want to do too, because you recently got back um, from a trip um, to Mexico. Um, mm-hmm. So I know one of the things that you um, really want to do is to give back and charity work and all of that mm-hmm. stuff. So talk to me a little bit about some of those things that you're involved in. Mm-hmm. Um, do you have any other trips planned or was Mexico maybe it for a little bit? So when I visited Daniel Mason Jones, um, when I op- freshly opened the salon, he had this thing, if you late for work, the the money goes under an employee named Charity. Oh yeah, yeah. We <laughs> yeah. told him about that. And I oh, love that idea. My <laughs> employees were hating it at first. <laughs> I was like, listen, I at least you're doing something good, you know. Aww. If you late, um, and it wasn't a lot of money because they quickly learned they lesson. Yeah. Um, but we were able to go to Mexico and the salon uh, donated some money plus the charity. Plus, we raised um, some money via Venmo and then some nice, generous clients matched all of that. And now all of a sudden, I have all these women. They're like, I want to help with anything. You know, I have the finances. I want to help you. Just let me know what can I do. But we went to Mexico and um, um, I guess they don't have a public school there. So there's no schools, uh, which is we all been to Mexico multiple times to, you know, vacation, but you don't know anything about mm-hmm. Mexico. They don't yeah. have public schools. So kids normally do not go to school. They sell on the streets flowers or food or whatever, you know, in the small communities. So um, I have a, a friend of mine that she, I was working with her at the time. She was a front desk. Her name is Destiny. And she truly is a destiny for so many people. <laughs> she introduced me to Tommy even. It was, it's just so really? many. Yeah, it was oh so sweet. <laughs> But she just wanted a simple life and moved to Mexico. 
Then she kept saying, you know, how amazing it is. And she kind of started telling me about the community. And I'm like, wait a minute, I would love to get involved somehow. Uh, and she told me about it and how beautiful it is. She lives in Sayulita. It's an hour away from Puerto Vallarta. And we quickly raised the money to help this local school. There was another American uh, guy that donated a building and some land. And then another two American women, one is a teacher and one, she has a bunch of restaurant, uh, uh, restaurants here in the United States. So they opened the school and they actually hired the local teachers and paid them really well. And so the local kids can go to school. That's uh, so awesome. Yeah. And we raised $4,000. No, sorry. $2,000 for the school. The salon donated $2,000. It's not much, but it goes so far. Yeah. Um, and we brought four suitcases of school supplies and presents. Wow. Um, and then also along the way, she kind of told me about this family with, a, okay, now I get the number wrong, but it's about 14 kids. Mm -hmm. um, like and, in one family? Mm -hmm. Whoa. Okay. Mm -hmm. And they don't have a home. The community got together and volunteered and built them a, a roof. Oh my god! So when they said like roof, I thought maybe there's some. Oh, they don't have walls, so it's lit. It's just the roof, no walls, and it's just ground. Mm -hmm. Um, and actually, with the recent hurricane, the hurricane just washed everything, so they had to move somewhere else. So I just felt it so much for that family that I raised money through Venmo, and then another client matched everything, and we raised That's almost so awesome. over four thousand dollars. Yeah. Wow. And, the house and like you almost, said, for there, like $4,000, like it's not a for us because we're like home. spoiled. Yeah, but. But they got walls so and they actually us. got a ground. Um, and if I can just raise maybe just a little bit more, um, under $1,000, we can buy bedding for them. So, yeah. The, the house awesome. is almost ready. Yeah. So what organization is that there? Or how would people be able to donate to that if they were interested in um, For the school, there is a link. Um, okay. I can yeah, we'll definitely not, share. Yeah, we will. Um, but for the family, for sure. it's just. It's just like now. Destiny and, was okay. kind of managing the money. It's good to actually have a person that you can't give the family for that. They've never seen that kind of money right. in their life. So yeah. Destiny was just kind of, you know, talking with the contractor, paying them and just keeping communication with me. So yeah, that's mm -hmm. so special. And I think that so much of that, I know that you said previously, um, you know, that there are things about your past that like you just wish would like go away. But I think like the heart that you have to get back and help others is because of what mm -hmm. the way that you were raised and the way that you grew up. So I, I'm sure that there's like a connection mm -hmm. to anybody that's living um, a life that's maybe not the easiest right now mm -hmm. um, and just to be like this light for them. I think it's so special that you have that in your heart. So it'd be Thank very you. easy for you to be like, okay, I'm a salon owner, I'm a national, I'm doing really well, and I'm going to have the houses and the cars and the bags and, like, the all the things that we can get. I don't even own Really, <laughs> That we like, can why? get really, like, wrapped up in. I know. And I think that it's so special to keep your mindset. And, like, I don't know that you maybe would have been that way if you wouldn't have experienced, you yeah. know, the things that you experienced. Yeah. So what was it like going back? I mean, is there a is there a weird feeling for you being there? Or is it just... So go back happy? home. Is it back? Or no, like in Mexico or wherever you're going to help. Because I know that this is. It was so good. Day. We went there for forty eight for forty eight hours. Oh, it's quick, like quick mm -hmm. trip. Yeah, yeah, and we've done everything. Yeah, we actually were not going to be able to meet the family, but somehow again the universe. The, the, those people never on a I guess it was a Thursday. They never 
on a Thursday in the Sailita Dena next town. Mm-hmm. Um, but somehow they drove by us and we're like, turn around, you know, and we got to meet them. We have no a little video and picture with them. Yeah. Yeah. That's so special. Yeah. So was it emotional for you? Were you... Was it sad or was it just like happy? It was, was it- happy, but I mean, they couldn't speak English yeah. and Destiny was very little, speaking very little Spanish. Mm-hmm. So we had to translate through a phone, but it was good. You know, yeah. it, was, it was almost like I had to process that later, mm-hmm. you know? Yeah. I'm sure that that's like, I guess in the moment, it's probably mm-hmm. really overwhelming mm-hmm. and it's probably just a lot. And they to were be like, like, what's happening? Yeah. Like, what? Are you building a house? For yeah. Us? It all happened in five minutes. Yeah. So, but that's all you need, right? That's so <laughs> awesome. I think that's so cool. And I, like I said, I think that what you're doing and like the impact that you're going to have on this industry is going to be really big. Um, and so I'm just so thankful that I got to meet you and that we, again, got this time to be together and actually record all the good stuff yeah. that we were talking about. But I'm just so thankful for you. And um, make sure you follow Oksana. She's at Oksana Mead and then Oksana Salon on Instagram. Mm-hmm. Um, so make sure you follow her. We'll put links everywhere and make sure you follow Beauty and Style Network on Instagram and make sure you follow me at Beauty School Bobby and we will see you next time guys. Bye. Bye.